It's the Pit Box Podcast. I'm John Satori. A 23-race calendar coming up for 2021 already. A couple of races in doubt, and uh, we're not even at the end of January, but not surprising given the circumstances that the world is in at the moment. Uh, We'll take a look at the latest news stories, what's been happening since our last podcast, which was prior to Christmas. Uh, And also, I'm going to be chatting with James Underhay. Uh, We're going to go through the intra-team battles, which are looking quite interesting. Obviously, some new driver pairings coming up in various garages this season. And also, uh, pre-season testing, uh, pre-pre-season testing, of course, um, what we think at the moment will be the order in the constructors as well. Uh, We're going to be discussing all that and, of course, just having a general chat about F1. All that's coming up on the Pit Box podcast. And so let's get this underway. Of course, we haven't taken a look at anything uh, that's been happening since before Christmas because uh, that was the last podcast that we did. And on that note, I hope you had a great Christmas. Of course, it was a much different Christmas to what many were hoping and and, and many would normally have. I know that certainly we were restricted to um, to, to numbers in London, uh, but it depends on where you were in the world, I suppose. But either way, let's hope that we can kick this COVID thing into touch. I know that everybody was putting on uh, lots of social media going around talking about, yep, see you later, 2020, what a crap year, etc. Well, it's still a crap year as far as I'm concerned. Until we kick COVID into touch, there's no point in celebrating whether we talk New Year's or not. It makes no difference because that is um, the big hurdle that we need to get over um, as a society, as a whole, as a world community. And until that happens, you know, New Year's makes no difference. Next year, if we're still where we are at the end of 2021, there's no point in, in, in bagging out, if you like, 2021, because it's COVID that is uh, is the issue. Anyway, I hope you did have a, a, a good Christmas on um, on the other side of that and uh, have a good start to the new year as well, as, as good as possibly you can, depending on where you are. Um, so stories that have been going um, or that have happened in the last uh, week or so since we were last on Norris, uh, Lando Norris tested positive for COVID-19 he's in Dubai at the moment uh, nice weather down there there's no, no doubt um, uh, but uh, the good news is that he's feeling fine he just noticed that he had lost his uh, sense of taste and smell and of course that's one of the first uh, indicators that you may have uh, COVID-19, and uh, he very quickly was on to that, got a test, uh, isolated, got himself a test, and is now sort of um, isolating himself for 14 days or in um, line with the regulations in that country, which I think is pretty much 14 days isolation, and he should be fine But in, in due time. But from what we've heard from the team, uh, he's feeling fine and fit. That's good. It affects everybody differently, of course, but um, that's uh, driver number four, isn't it? We've had Lewis, uh, Stroll, and... Sergio Perez prior as the only other four drivers. Uh, it was interesting, Daniel Ricciardo coming out saying that he thought at one point last year that he had it because he'd had a um, a positive test, but then it turned out to be negative. But either way, it, um, the, as I said earlier, the sooner we can kick this into touch, the better. And uh, this, ro- uh, this rollout of the vaccine can't come soon enough, not just uh, where I am, but uh, worldwide. Uh, of course, the other big news was from Williams. They are going to be using the Mercedes gearbox and a lot closer technical tie-up um, with a, a trade of information, if you like, backwards and forth, or flow of information, I should say. That can only be good news for the team. I know that Frank and Claire wanted uh, you know, a, a lot, of, as much as uh, of the Williams DNA in a Williams car, but the times we have... Um, 
that just sometimes uh, isn't possible. Of course, they are no longer in charge of the team. It's uh, Drilton Capital, and I think they've made a, a clever decision, a clever move there, um, and they can direct those other resources that would normally be put towards the gearbox, uh, and uh, not only resources, but um, uh, but money as well, finance, uh, into other areas to improve performance. And I'm pretty sure everybody would like to see Williams a bit further up the grid. Now, of course, someone's got to come last. It's got to happen, but uh, to have them scoring no points or very few points throughout a season, the last couple of seasons, is, uh, is not... Not great to see. So um, hopefully that will help turn around their fortunes. Of course, uh, the big reset of regulations in 2022 will be their big opportunity as well as everybody's. Um, Aston Martin, they are set for their new livery that uh, and the car launch in February. Can't wait to see that British Racing Green back on the grid and also the name. They've uh, just released, a, announced that they've got a, a new title sponsor as well. I wonder what is going to happen to BWT. I, for one, am not sorry to see the pink livery go. <laughs> Never particularly liked it. Um, uh, but also the name Racing Point and Force India, Aston Martin, has just got a much nicer ring to it. Uh, but looking forward to seeing that. Of course, they're all sort of um, restructuring and they've got some very, uh, and taken on some really Good people in their roles, Matt Bishop being one of them as, I think, the head of their communications, um, something like that. I hope I haven't underplayed what his role is. Just can't quite remember off the top of the head, top of my head, but he's um, right at the top as far as the communications uh, department is concerned. And, uh, yeah, they're making some good decisions. And, of course, going to be interesting to see how Sebastian Vettel goes alongside Lance Stroll. We're going to delve into that shortly uh, with uh, Jimbo and, and, and uh, Chef Wayner as well. Uh, but we'll get to that shortly. Of course, the Australian Grand Prix, that is most likely going to be postponed. For me, no great surprise that that's going to happen. Uh, as an Australian, I know how difficult it is to get into the country. It's 14 days in a hotel. You, you don't get to isolate at home. If you get into Australia, you go to a hotel that you have to pay for before you get out 14. There's no test. It's just 14 days. Thank you very much. In a hotel room, you don't move out of the hotel room. And I'm serious. You don't get to go into the hallway. That is it. Uh, and they're, they're getting stricter and stricter on it because the, the outbreaks they've had so far have been to do with um, either people getting out of hotel quarantine or people who've, I mean, the latest one in Sydney was because of, I think, a driver, someone who was a driver and transporting people from the airport to the hotel, the quarantine hotels, that person, that driver caught it. One didn't know. He had all taken all the precautions. He had masks and all that sort of stuff, but somehow he's been able to get it. And he has then um, gone out into the community. And that's what started that recent Sydney spread, which happened just before Christmas. And it's now spread down into Melbourne. They take it so, so seriously. I mean, 100 cases and their heads are spinning. Uh, you look at what's happening in, for example, the UK, America and other places, no doubt. Um, 100 cases, I think those countries would be marvellously happy to have just 100 cases to deal with. But Australia, you know, lockdown suburbs, states get locked down. You can't go between states. So they take it so seriously. So even though F1 has got a really good good process and you know the amount of tests that they have conducted over the 2020 season and for the amount of positive results and it's very minus minuscule i think it was like 70,000 tests i can't remember i don't quote me on that but you know they had under i can't remember it was certainly under 100 i think but the you know the, the amount of positive tests they got showed that the system they've got in place these bubbles and keeping everybody in their in their bubbles and their groups was very effective but when it comes to Australia, that isn't good enough. I can't see how the Australian government will say, well, yeah, we'll give you a leave pass, Formula One, and let 2,000-odd people come in, not do the 14-day ISO when there is always... And I know, I know, because I keep an eye on the Australian media for obvious reasons, I see 
the uproar from, you know, should a, a celebrity get, you know, not have to isolate in a hotel room, for example, but in their own, you know, mansion or whatever it is. And, and how they did it, it happened, I think, with Tom Hanks and it happened with one of the Minogues as well. I think it might have been Danny Minogue a few months ago and there was a big uproar about it. So I just can't see how the Australian government, they wouldn't want to put have that flack um, from the general public from the media that they've let Formula One in, even though Formula One have got a very tried and tested and um, effective uh, process in uh, in, in, um, in effect. So I just can't see that happening. And, and conversely, I can't see 2,000-odd F1 people quarantining in a hotel or even if they took them out into the country, into the bush, and put them on one big property and said, you can't move off that property and we'll house you all there. I just can't see that happening. Two weeks for engineers, drivers, support state, you know, so I can't see the Australian Grand Prix happening. It will be a start in Bahrain. And to that, of course, um, the news that uh, the uh, testing is likely to be moved to Bahrain as well if the Australian Grand Prix is postponed to when I probably think it's probably going to be somewhere around October once we get that. You know, around about that time of the year, late September, we head to Singapore, don't we? And uh, we then head off into what we call the flyaway. So I, I get the feeling Australia will be postponed back somewhere uh, around about there. And of course, it's still we're starting to get warm. It's springtime in, in October, late October, November. So it'll be uh, plenty warm enough to do an Australian Grand Prix if they can fit it into the calendar of that point. Um, so, but of course, yeah, sorry, getting back to it, is that Bahrain obviously is then going to be the start of the, uh, the, the, the official calendar. They're going to move the tests there away from Barcelona. It'll save a whole lot of messing about, sort of teams having to leave uh, wherever their base is to get into Spain, then come back again and then send the freight down to Bahrain. It'll just be one set of freight going to Bahrain and one set of people. So it makes it a lot simpler. It's you know, better weather in Bahrain, isn't it? Let's be honest. It's not like the last couple of years have been fantastically warm weather in Barcelona. It's been quite chilly, I think. In the last one of the last three years, we had snow, didn't we? So moving it all to Barcelona, as far as testing is concerned, makes a lot of sense. Um, and of course, races are going to be starting on the hour again rather than at ten past. That's a common sense move. Never quite understood why we needed to have it at ten past. They sort of said, look, you know, there's a lot of broadcasters who don't want to have to, you know, they they sort of flick across or they start a program on the hour, and it doesn't give them enough time prior to, um, you know, to to do their sort of lead up. But 10 minutes is not enough either, is it? So, you know, you're always going to start half an hour before the race. So I don't understand if it's a 2 o'clock start, then your broadcast starts at 1.30. That gives you enough time to run through uh, what happened in qualifying, get all your expert opinion, do a, a tra- uh, you know a grid walk if you've got a Brundle. Or, you know, they all do it now, don't they? Brundle started it. So it just made sense to keep it at, uh, on the hour. And, um, you know, most broadcasters would be starting their broadcasts half an hour beforehand to give them time to, to do all that leading work. Um, and uh, so that's good to have that. That's all make, makes it so much simpler. Um, finally, uh, signs, Carlos signs saying that F1 needs to be more driver dependent. Um, really interesting comment. It's funny, it didn't get, seem to get much traction in social media and I thought there'd be all sorts of outrage about this because for mine what he's essentially saying and I'm just going to read you what some of his quote he says that one of F1's current weaknesses is that the performance of cars is too spread out so the influence of the driver talent is not fully exposed and he and that's why he hopes that the that the changes in 22 come into effect they'll allow the top drivers to show their skills he said what and this is quote what I wish is that formula 1 in the future is a closer grid in order to allow the driver to create more of a difference he says as you arrive in f1 you very quickly realize it's very difficult to beat any guy who's got a car that is 3 tenths of a second quicker than you 
just three tenths. And remember, when we started with you know the new hybrid rules in 2014, the Merck in qualifying mode, let alone race, was eight tenths of a second quicker. And he's just talking about three tenths of a quicker, three tenths of a second quicker. He said because as a driver, you're fighting for the last two tenths with your teammate. That's been the case with all my teammates. You're just two tenths up or two tenths down. So he said, you know, you need to have a car or a lot more even playing field. But when then when someone out qualifies you by 1.5 seconds, you know that you're not really competing with them. Now, the the thing that I'm interested in, or that I that that you know pricked my attention with this was that in in some ways he's saying Mercedes have got such a good car that it had doesn't really make any you know the, the driver wouldn't have made any difference. Is that I mean it, it, you know what I mean? Is, it, essentially, is he sort of and I don't think he's doing it in any sort of sly or underhanded way and I don't think he means it like this but I'm surprised that it didn't get picked up in social media of people saying was Carlos Sainz having a bit of a slight and having a bit of a uh, you know a go at the credibility of Lewis's six championships with Mercedes considering that that car has won seven of the past seven championships saying that we've got to have this even playing field because there's not enough difference being shown between the driver skills it's all about the car that's what I take from that, and as I say, I'm surprised that that didn't get picked up on a lot more. Um, but uh, as I say, I don't think it was signs trying to have a dig at Hamilton at all. And uh, but surely, normally, maybe it was because it was Christmas he got away with it, um, and, and people were distracted. But normally, that sort of comment would bring a lot of people out on social media defending Lewis and saying, "What are you? What are you, you know, you're telling me." That Lewis is not the GOT and GOAT, the greatest of all time, et cetera, et cetera. So really interesting. Anyway, I'm, I'm going to talk more uh, about that and get the opinions of Wayne and James Underhay as well. And, of course, what we're also going to do is uh, take a look at the season. Now, of course, this is prior to testing. We don't know what's going to happen in testing. Not that testing gives you too much of a guide. It gives you a little bit of an idea, but it's certainly not definitive as far as a pecking order is concerned. But we're going to sort of give our predictions on what we think currently will happen as far as the uh, Constructors' Championship is concerned. But also, the intra-team battles this year, they're going to be really interesting. And you look at ones like what's going to happen at Aston Martin between Sebastian Vettel and Lance Stroll. So we're going to go through all of those for 2021. And as I say, this is all our our pre-testing predictions and uh, I think we'll get into that in just a moment right well the 2021 season is still at least a couple of months away from starting and as I was uh, saying earlier it's highly likely that the Australian Grand Prix won't be the first race of the season Um, and in fact on um, on Twitter I was talking with someone uh, and uh, we obviously Bahrain is going to be the, the first Grand Prix and, and it's looking like China may well be cancelled as well and I was saying that wouldn't it be a great idea to have a, another double header at Bahrain do the normal circuit and then do the Sakir circuit uh, as the second race of the season um, but apparently uh, there's a couple of others that are possibly going to be slotted in there one of them being um, Portimao if not uh, Imola but anyway um, we'll um, Obviously, more will be revealed on that as uh, in the coming weeks. But I've got uh, James Underhay on the phone. We're going to go through all the intra-team battles and, 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 and take a look at 
um, the, the, the the team battles as well, and where we think this season. This is all pre-season testing, of course. Um, and then while testing gives a decent indication, it's obviously uh, not a, a complete or um, a fully hundred percent foolproof form guide either. But just before pre-season testing gets underway, we thought we'd uh, run through and give our thoughts on these intra-team battles and, and where we think the teams will finish up when we get to the end of this season. Uh, James, mate, I hope you um, had a, a good Christmas. It was an unusual one and, and a lot smaller and uh, more cosy than normal, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, John. Um, pretty pretty different this year for obvious reasons. Uh, first time not seeing in-laws and uh, and uh, um, my folks for forever, which is pretty strange. But we made the best of it. Had plenty of good food, uh, abundance of good wine, and uh, yeah, just a, a nice time with my my little gang. Thank you. Yeah, we all put on a, a, at least a few pounds, if not a, a couple of kilos, over the festive <laughs> season, and particularly with this uh, this year's festive season because there wasn't as much getting out and about, was there? Um, okay, yeah. So obviously, I've just run through a lot of the stories uh, that have been happening since we were last or since we did our last podcast which was before christmas uh and i thought we'd just take a look at what some of these new intra-team battles are going to look like we've got some new driver combinations in some teams uh, and also um obviously uh what we sort of think each team where they are and and where we think they'll finish up in 2021 uh, let's get it rolling and and i suppose the easiest one I suppose, uh, is the Hamilton-Bottas matchup. Um, you know, once again, Lewis Hamilton, uh, seventh uh, Drivers' World Championship. Uh, he's now got the most wins, the most, you know, every record pretty much is um, uh, is in his cabinet. But will Bottas be able to actually turn that around this year? For mine, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I don't think Bottas... He, he and we've seen it, haven't we, James? In qualifying, he's like like two hundredths of a second off the pace of Hamilton, so he's never that far away. But it, it, it's just that little bit extra that Hamilton's able to get, and then once in race conditions, he's able to to do what he needs to do to keep Bottas behind him, and 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 away he goes. I just don't think Bottas will be able to overcome that. I mean, because we thought that, you know, it was going to change at the beginning of this season when Lewis didn't have a great start. He uh, was off the podium, obviously had the penalty at the Austrian Grand Prix the first round in July. And everybody thought, oh, maybe, you know, here we go. Is this going to be the time? This is going to be the year that Bottas will finally get through and and someone will defeat Lewis Hamilton. Uh, Not that anybody, others haven't, obviously. um, Nico Rosberg has in 2016. But I just don't think Bottas mentally has got what it takes to overcome Hamilton. And I think we spoke about this earlier in uh, in the year or late last year about that ability that Lewis has to be your friend and you can't be his friend, so to speak. It was the only way, you know, we talked about it, uh, that Rosberg was able to finally win his 2016 World Championship was that he had to actually treat Lewis like, not the enemy, but like not be as close, not be as chummy, not be as friendly, and actually treat him like a um, you know a proper rival, um, even though they were driving for the same team. Yeah, um, I, I'm totally with you on this one. I think it's the, as you say, the easiest uh, decision. Um, I think Lewis has got too much on Valtteri now. I don't think Valtteri's got. Um, I don't think Valtteri's got the killer instinct. I know he comes across as pretty pretty cool and calm and collected, but. Most people from his part of the world tend to anyway, don't they? But um, yeah, I think it's almost like he's he's run out of ideas and he doesn't have um, the, the, the 
the, the extra whatever it is the one percent to 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 find within himself to just take Lewis on and actually go and find that couple of hundreds uh, here and there. Um, but but against which, against another opponent, I think maybe so. But I don't think he's got what it takes to beat Lewis. That's you know it, I, I think if he, if he was up against Vettel or maybe a Verstappen or even Alonso, he'd have more of a chance. I just don't think he can do that against Lewis. No, I don't think he can because against uh, another driver, even. Sebastian, his peak was still prone to the odd uh, pressurized error, wasn't he? You know, yeah. they, you know comings together with uh, Weber in Turkey spring to mind. You know, these silly little moments that actually they shouldn't really be involved in. Lewis, when does Lewis ever get himself in a in a tangle? Uh, yeah. Unless it's someone else's fault, and I can't remember the last one that happened. Um, yeah, oh no, he does. I mean, I, I, yeah, but don't forget, you know, he had the tangle with Albon Brazil in in 2019, and he had another tangle with him in. 2000, last year at the Austrian Grand Prix, because that was what the five-second penalty was. But I, I understand what you mean, is that he, he doesn't tend to make mistakes and, and, and on long-term, and they, he doesn't let them affect him long-term either, does he? No, not under pressure. I think that's the key, isn't it? He doesn't, he doesn't um, you know, lose, lose a couple of tenths through an error on a lap where he nearly really needs to stick it on pole. He doesn't, mm. when, when, when at that moment during the race where... Yeah, I hate to use this phrase, but the hammer time stuff comes out, doesn't it? It's like, all right, now's the time to push Lewis. When do you ever see him come out of that scenario in a worse position? It never happens. So um, you know, as lovely uh, a guy I'm sure as Valtteri is, I don't think he's got it in him to find that additional uh, time. Um, I'd love to see him win more races. He seems like a nice guy and he's, you know, he, he, his performances at Williams got him that move in the first place were outstanding, but it feels like almost like he's kind of reached the peak of his abilities. Um, and unless Lewis Hamilton retires, uh, yeah, I, I just can't see how he's going to be the dominant member of, of the Mercedes team. And, and of course, you know, Hamilton hasn't actually signed a contract yet, so it may be Russell is his, his Bottas' teammate. We'll, we'll find out. Um, okay. Let's move on. Red Bull, of course, new driver pairing there, Verstappen up against Perez. I'm really looking forward to this. Um, Perez, you know, gets his elbows out. We know Max does that as well. I think back to the Perez battles with, uh, you know, Force India and uh, Ocon going through Eau Rouge on a couple of occasions um, at uh, Baku at the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. You know, Checo is not backwards and coming forwards, coming forwards. And of course, neither is Max Verstappen either. I think this is a, a really great matchup. I can't wait to see what happens. I, I don't know what is going to happen to be. I think Max will get the better of him, but I, I think it's going to be really close. And that's what Red Bull need. Cause we always talk about Red Bull needing to, you know, get maximum points to make sure that they stay second, particularly if, you know, the likes of McLaren, Aston Martin, or even Ferrari. And that's highly likely from what we're hearing with their, you know, the improvements in their engine during the off season, if that occurs and that, that comes to fruition. Um, but that they need to have that. But I, I think Verstappen will still get him, but hopefully Perez is going to push him all the way. I'm totally with you on this one. My, my, when I went through this thinking about it, I immediately put Verstappen down as well. He, he's going to have it nailed, obviously. However, the more I thought about it subsequently, if I, I feel like it will be a little bit closer than my, my initial reaction. And a lot of people's thoughts will be, um, you know, Max is going to have a tough time with Checo, I think. 
Um, Checo's constantly going to be, you look at his performances, he's constantly picking up good points. He's constantly pushing for potential podiums. He's going to be there. And in that car, I think there's also going to be circuits and moments during races that potentially suit him more than Verstappen. So I think it's going to be tight, but I do think Max will come out on top of, out, of the, out of the pair of them. And depending on what the contract is that he has, if it's only a one-year contract, what's he got to lose? You know, by, by taking on Verstappen, and you know, I'm not saying he goes against you know a, a, a team order or a, you know a radio order, but you know what's he got to lose by saying no? You know, this is what I want to do, and I'm not going to give up my position or I'm you know whatever the um, the, the situation is. Um, I don't see him doing that. Uh, I think he's going to say no. I've got a one year contract, and I'm just going to do what I want to do and, and and prove that I need to be in Formula One and get picked up by another team. Exactly that. It's, 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 every, it's all or nothing for him, isn't it? And yeah. Uh, yeah, he's, they're not going to fire him halfway through the season if he's basically you know, break, raking points in for them because the whole point of him being there is obviously to make sure, as you say, secure second place, make sure, you know, uh, unless they come out with some freak of a car and it manages to beat them. But the point is that they can guarantee and cement second place and all the prize money and all the riches that go with it if he does his job. So halfway through the season, if, if it's pretty close... Um, I can see there being real fireworks there because he's going to be thinking, well, you're not going to get rid of me now. You need the points. Uh, I'm performing. So, yeah, I, I think I will keep Max behind me at this particular moment of this race or whenever that situation occurs. Yeah, and, and I can see Perez staying on for 2022 as well if he has a good season, and I think he will. Because, I, I mean, Gasly, I don't think they even see Gasly as a potential for 2022. I And, I, you know, I think we've had this discussion before and we'll get to Gasly shortly, but um, I think you'll find Gasly at uh, at Renault. But anyway, let's move on. McLaren, they uh, had a great run in third. Um, Norris versus Ricardo. that's going to be close as well, but I think Ricardo in the end will have the better of him. I know that sounds awfully patriotic, but I, I think Danny Ricardo's going to be stiffer competition than Carlos Sainz, and that's not a, a slight against Carlos at all, but Ricardo's a race winner, and um, you know he's a guy who, who know, has good race craft. Yeah, uh, his experience is what's going to, I think, bring him out on top out of these two. Um, Lando has just been outstanding, I think, since his uh, introduction to F1. Um, the maturity that he's driven with, the speed that he's shown, the moments of brilliance in terms of putting those those incredible laps together when needed uh, that we've, we've talked about so many times. However, uh, he's still learning his F1 craft, I think. He's clearly a good racer. He's consistent. He doesn't, he doesn't screw up too much. Danny Rick's been around the block long enough though now to actually to go out there and win races take races by the scruff of the neck um, you know make moves when it really counts and i think that uh, if this mercedes power unit works out for mclaren in in 2021 um i think they could be quite a surprise package and i and i think that danny's going to have a pretty good year as a result yeah and i don't think it's, there's going to be much between ricardo and norris i think they're they're going to be pretty close like it was between sainz and norris but um, yeah, I just think Ricardo's going to have a little bit too much for him. Uh, okay, moving on to Aston Martin. Um, Lance Stroll up against Sebastian Vettel. Uh, well, I mean, I think we're probably we're probably going to agree on this one, aren't we? Um, yeah, I could be fairly controversial here. Uh, no, you're kidding me. You don't tell me. No, no. Honestly, I, I, again, you know, I thought about this. I, I I can't believe I'm about to say this. But I've got. I've just got a feeling. I don't know why. I genuinely believe that Stroll is actually going to have a pretty good season. I think this season just gone, and I've given him a lot of grief. You know, a lot of people have given him a lot of grief. He's made some big mistakes. He's made some crazy errors, getting himself into accidents that he shouldn't have. 
uh, making moves uh, that he shouldn't have. However, he's way more ingrained in the team. And whatever you say about Vettel, I, I still think that Seb is, is coming away from Ferrari mentally scarred. I think he's coming away from it slightly damaged. And for him to be so far off the pace, if Seb had kind of, you know, matched Charles this year, uh, managed to get a bit more out of the car when it really mattered. But he hasn't. You know, the the, the, the podium in Turkey was really just circumstantial, right? It was just the, the, the crazy race that that was. Mm, and mm. I love Seb. Obviously, I love Seb. I want him to batter Stroll. I really do. But Stroll's been with the team a little while now. Um, Stroll's made it clear that he, he appreciates, obviously, he makes mistakes from time to time and he's very impatient about getting results, etc. He's made some mistakes this year. If those mistakes disappear and uh, he he shows some of the speed, because let's be honest, he did show some speed last year. It wasn't like he was a, a terrible driver and massively off the pace. He was still there or thereabouts. Um, I've just got a feeling that Lance Stroll is actually going to have a decent season. And I think Seb, depending on, on what happens, whether it whether it's kind of him, his swan song potentially. I know that he signed a you know a relatively you know, attractive deal, but Seb's never been in it for the money. And if Seb doesn't get the better of Lance Stroll next season, I can see Seb walking away potentially. Yeah, I I, I disagree. I, I think actually Stroll is probably the perfect um uh, uh, teammate for boy. for, for boy. yeah for boy. hey whipping boy yeah i mean i don't think it'll be that bad but i think it's for him to get his confidence back i think that is the sort of driver that sebastian vettel will will um take advantage of and i think you'll see him coming back in a big way um it'll be more of his team you know we saw him get unsettled by ricardo at red bull and he left and he went across to ferrari and you know he was doing well there until leclerc turned up so you know you could almost say if you wanted to read into that that yeah he doesn't like teammates to be too close or slightly better than him it, it makes him nervous it, you know, he doesn't he doesn't react well but i think having stroll as a teammate is exactly what vettel needs and i, I mean I, I think vettel will end up um outstripping points wise uh stroll for next year but so that's uh, one that i really thought i had noted down that we would agree on mate but uh, uh yeah, yeah interesting i'm gonna agree on and uh, you know it's good to, good to have a bit of uh, diversity i suppose i, I yeah. don't know i just got a feeling so we'll yeah. see yeah okay uh, moving on to renault alonso and uh, ocon alonso coming back into f1 after a, a couple of seasons out i think ocon didn't you know he got outperformed by uh, danny ricardo last year in the renault i i don't know whether ocon and i was a real big fan of ocon when he was at racing point i think that year off it didn't do him the world of good Maybe after another year back in the saddle, he'll be better. But I, I've got concerns that he'll be that he won't be an F one long term. Just seems to have, um, you know, if I can, if I can paraphrase what happened in Top Gun, I think he's lost his edge and he's handed his wings. <laughs> um, yeah, I, and particularly against Alonso, I mean, that's a mentally huge challenge to get over. Let alone, you know, what Alonso can do on track. Um, so yeah, I think I'm going to see. I'm going to pick Alonso to win that battle. Yeah, totally agree with you on that one. And uh, do you know what swung it for me to a certain extent? It's I thought, oh, maybe it's going to take Fernando a little time to settle into that car and get used to it. But seeing him uh, attack Abu Dhabi in his championship winning yeah. uh, Renault and watching how brutally on it he was, uh, I just thought oh, it was stupid to even consider that he's going to need you know, half a season to get back into it. This guy's going to be on it from day one. You can just tell. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I, I can't see anything else apart from Alonso winning that battle. Um, okay, on to Ferrari. I'll uh, let you lead with, uh, with this one. 
Uh, I think it's going to be really tight. Um, I do think it's going to be really tight, but I think Charles is going to have the upper the upper hand. Uh, you know, science is is pr- a proven kind of point scorer now. He's super talented, but I don't think he's I don't think he's done anything outrageous yet to just to, to kind of make you think, well, this guy's really going to really going to you know put Charles under pressure. I think Charles has settled nicely into the team now. The car obviously suits him. Um, most of the development work that's gone into the 21 car will be based around his driving style uh, and what he wants from it because they knew that Seb was leaving. Um, so I think I think uh, Carlos is going to do a fantastic job as kind of the number two driver we've spoken previously about how long that lasts for of course once Carlos really gets his feet under the table then I think you're going to see see more of a problem but uh, for for me Charles will will win this season yeah I I tend to agree Uh, Leclerc I think has got um, Carlos covered and and that's no slight on Carlos at all because I think he's the last two years he's had at McLaren have, has certainly reinvigorated his career I don't think many people saw that at the beginning of 2019 when he went to McLaren I think many were thinking well he had no other options and McLaren had no other options and so it was like okay well it was sort of like just a bit of a limp deal um, but he really proved that he he not that he ever didn't deserve to be in Formula One, he did, but um, that he deserves a better drive. And and I think he will fit well in at Ferrari, but he's, for mine, a Rubens, a, a great driver. He'll get the occasional win, but he's not going to outshine Leclerc. Yep. Um, so uh, that's... But the thing is that, you know, what signs brings to that to that combination is what Red Bull have been looking for, and that is a driver that will consistently score points. So that will be interesting when it comes to the Constructors' Championship, which we'll talk about later on. Uh, Alpha Tauri, I mean, this is a lay-down mazir. I mean, Tsunoda's no doubt got a lot of talent. He's not been um, in the senior ranks very long. Um, he's come through the uh, the junior formula pretty quickly up against Gasly. Um, and, and I think, you know, Gasly will have him easily covered. I, I We've talked about this before as well. I, I see Gasly heading to Renault in the end. Um, I think I don't think he's particularly... And knowing that Max Verstappen is going to be waiting for him at the top of the tree... In the Red Bull, I I don't think Gasly's particularly keen to get back into that. Um, so you'll end up, he'll end up somewhere like um, like Renault at least in the short term. For this year, I, you know, I can't see um, Gasly uh, not being uh, sorry being outperformed by Sonoda as as, as good as Sonoda is. Absolutely, uh, he's he's had too good a season this year. Mm. Uh, he's outperformed, I think, in well, that car. Well, most pe- he was most people's driver of the season, or certainly had the drive of the season in Monza too, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he, he just did a great job, didn't he? And and it, he went from strength to strength as well. I know he obviously didn't win any more races for obvious reasons. That was unlikely. But he still put some fantastic performances in, in both qualifying and race situations for the remainder of the season as well. It wasn't a flash in the pan, was it? So uh, Yuki Tsunoda, massive talent, of course, coming into the sport first year, lots of learning to do. Um, but I don't think he's going to he, he's just not going to be able to rise to, to Gasly's level because Gasly's going to be at it from from the off isn't he yeah he, he's I, it was so good to see that what happened with Gasly this season um, as I say he, you know he was a lot of people's driver of the season notwithstanding what Lewis was able to achieve of course and, and in some ways you sort of got to put Lewis off the top with, uh, and, and, and judge everybody else together right, and, and leave him out of it um, but you know, Gasly. I think it was either Gasly, signs or Norris for mine as, as you know who was the best uh, out of the rest of them for the season. But Gasly, it was great to see him come back and and get over what happened to him um, the previous year. Uh, Alpha Romeo, Raikkonen, uh, stable uh, mate uh, Giovinazzi. Uh, that's a, sorry. What I was going to say is that's a pretty stable combination once again. And I think you know 
Kimmy will have him covered once again. Uh, what it was, uh, Kimmy Räikkönen had four points, was it, in the end? Yeah, they ended up on equal points. Um, but, you know, tough doing it down there with um, with the Alphas at the moment. You can't see the car changing too much. They're going to be sort of fighting for those sort of positions down that way. But, you know, it's probably Räikkönen, but there's... Only because they they don't get an opportunity to score points often, it'll it wouldn't surprise me if actually Giovinazzi outscores him. But I wouldn't say that that would mean that Giovinazzi's had a better season than Kimmy. No, I, I yeah, Giovinazzi just hasn't done enough for me. Yeah, uh, too many mistakes, and uh, Kimmy's Kimmy's just that wily old fox, isn't he? He's still got he still clearly wants to be there because you know, a lot of people I think would have had money Kimmy walking away from the sport again. Uh, uh, not you know maybe this year even, but. Uh, he's back, and um, he clearly fancies it. And if the car's any good, then then you know, who knows what could happen? I mean, and the problem that you know, I, I've, I've sort of thought about why Giovinazzi's still got that drive because I don't think he was, you know, he, he did anything fantastic to to retain the drive. But if you look at it, even though they've got a glut, and they've got you know a glut of of, of talent coming through Schumacher. I mean, you know, I, I put Mazepin in there because. You know he's one of the you know he he ended up in the top five in Formula Two, but um, there's Islet and um, who's the other one I'm missing? Uh, Schwartzman. They've got the envy of everybody else uh, in the paddock as far as you know young driver talent coming through. But I think you know Ferrari had a problem is that if they took Giovinazzi out of that, it was probably too early to put any of those other ones. I mean Schumacher could have gone in there, but Giovinazzi hasn't done enough to to have an to have his career finished either. I think they still owe him a little bit more, and, and, and you know, at least another season to to try and turn that around. And if they if they didn't give him a race, if they didn't give him a race seat rather, then it's probably too early to put the likes of Schumacher, or Schwartzman, or Eilert in there against Kimi Raikkonen. Yeah, I don't, no? I can't really get my head around this because Haas and Alpha. It's not like they were you know leagues apart in the championship last year, you know, Alfa Romeo uh, only finished you know, one spot above them in eighth in, in front of Haas. And I, I just felt like Haas being, um, you know, they didn't have a good year. Obviously the drivers we've talked about a lot, you know, there've been mistakes there. I, I genuinely saw Sh- uh, Sh- Mick Schumacher going to Alfa alongside Kimi and Alfa being kind of the more, uh, the more Italian links and this and the other d- d- direction going into Ferrari potentially longer term. I just felt like that was where he would end up. And I find it quite strange that half of the team out of the two of them have ended up with two complete rookies. Mm. Alpha haven't, haven't seen any change whatsoever. Uh, and I'm sure, I'm sure it'll work out. They, they know more than I do. Of course they do the, the, the people making these decisions, but um, yeah, for me, uh, it would have been it would have been quite fun to see Mick go in there, and 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 we talked, I think, a little while ago about you know Kimmy that mentorship and um, you know knowing Michael as well as he did, and and then obviously being able to work with his son, it would have been I think it would have been great for him, um, but it obviously hasn't worked out. Um, Absolutely, but the thing is that, but if if they were if Ferrari as a young driver, part of their young driver academy, you know Giovinazzi, I'm talking about, if they don't leave him at Alpha, which is if you'd like. At the moment, would seem to be the senior team of the Alphas and the of Alpha and Haas. It's an odd move to push him into the Haas role, if you know what I mean. It just would seem a little bit strange to do that. And I suppose I'm sort of guessing that's the reason why they were like, well, you know what I mean. It's it's a hard one to explain because you're actually sort of demoting him. It's like, well, if you're going to demote him, you may as well just flick him all together. That's 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 the point, isn't it? You know, they clearly felt like they needed, as you've said, maybe give him another year. Because uh, if he has a, a similar year in 21, 
than to, to what he had last year. And, and, um, and against Raikkonen, um, because if you put him in against a Mazepin or a Schumacher or a Schwartzman, then, you know, he should be beating them. Well, and, I, you say he should. Yeah, yeah. He should on paper. It, it, it would, it, it like would make it clear, I suppose. Car would chew him up. Yeah, it, it'd make it clear cut if they put him into a rook, uh, next to a rookie, of course. And that's, you know, maybe the odd thing about it is that putting him in next to a rookie would have said, you know, would have shown, okay, well, either you, you if you're not competing against a rookie, then we know where you where you're at. But goodness knows what the sort of contract details are with Giovinazzi. But either way, he's yeah, he's staying at Alpha, and I think we're in agreement on that one, and that Raikkonen will get the better of Giovinazzi, even though the points difference may not show it. Uh, Schumacher and Mazepin, I can't see Mick Schumacher, uh, Mick Schumacher um, losing points or losing out in that battle. Um, and we're not going to go into the whole offs, off-track stuff about Mazepin. Had enough of that. Yeah, he's a grub. But, um, but yeah, Mick Schumacher's obviously got he just oozes talent. Yes, he does. He's he's top notch. I mean, his performances were uh, outstanding last year, weren't they, to win the championship? And um, yeah, again, you know, not the finished article. I think we know that. I think it's unfair to, uh, you know, if we take his name out of the equation, we'd just be saying what a what a young, talented, feisty racing driver. But because of the name that he carries, unfortunately, I think a lot of people expect him to walk into F1 and just be the finished article and not make mistakes. Um, as he did, I think, in qualifying in, GP, in F2, excuse me, for the for the last round of the season, he made a mistake. But he's going to do that. It, it's just obviously a matter of time until he absolutely kind of polishes that racecraft and those decisions that he's making. Um, and, and I think he, he will go on to great things in the sport. So, yeah, I cannot see Mazapan getting anywhere near Mick next season. And, and the same with Russell um, versus Latifi. It'll be the, the same. I mean, again, it was, what, three points. To, Latifi didn't get a point. It was only three points to Russell. But they're always um, only competing for the you know the minor points anyway. But uh, George Russell, and he proved that at the Sakhir Grand Prix, that he deserves it. And, and no doubt will get a better drive uh, in time. For sure. Um, so, okay, uh, so that's the drivers. Let's quickly run through where we think the constructors will end up. I, I, I can't see Mercedes being anywhere apart from where they are. I think we can both agree on that and we'll just park that one. Yeah, no point in wasting time on that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Red Bull, uh, probably not quite as clear-cut as Re- as Mercedes, but I think they're pretty much a, a slot in for, um, a shoe in for, for the second. Yes, absolutely, totally agree. Uh, obviously, Checo signing will only aid that. Yeah, it's it's going to make it a lot uh, a lot stronger driver pairing, isn't it? The gap between themselves and the rest will be probably bigger. Whether or not that will close to Mercedes is is um, that's going to be rather interesting to see. Uh, but of course, we then get to third, and you've got this McLaren, Aston Martin, Renault, Ferrari battle. Uh, AlphaTauri are there or thereabouts, but I don't think they're a real contender for third. But it's those four teams and. I mean, I, if what we're hearing about Ferrari and that they have made improvements to that engine and they're obviously going to be able to make some improvements to the aero and that's where their draggy car was such a problem this year, I can see Ferrari being better than sixth next uh, this year, rather. Oh, bloody hell, I hope so, John. I mean, <laughs> it's going, going to be a long year for you otherwise. Uh, here. I, this has became very difficult to talk about places third to sixth um, because, number one, the fight for third... Uh, was so tight this year anyway, wasn't it? You know, if you look at the, the, the final race, obviously with McLaren picking it up after what happened with the racing points. But the, the three teams there, uh, McLaren, Racing Point and Renault, separated by, what, about 20 points or something like that. You know, not a yep. lot, ultimately. Um, and l- literally any one of those teams could have, the order could have been completely reversed. You know, a couple of results go Renault's way. All of a sudden, 
you've got them in, in fourth or third McLaren. It could have literally been any one of those teams. And we talked about the team element of McLaren and how they pulled through as a unit, not just with the drivers and their performances, but obviously the whole team getting behind uh, that that result. They managed to get there. However, they could have been fifth or sixth as well if things had been different. So I'm going to put a cat amongst the pigeons. I, I genuinely believe that Ferrari have made some huge progress. And I think there's a lot of belief within Maranello that they've made some huge progress because this year, ultimately, the car was clearly a complete disaster because they built a super draggy car. They got the engine uh, uh, um, advantages taken away. And all of a sudden there was nothing that they could have done last season. Absolutely nothing that they could have done last season to turn that around. It just wasn't physically possible. Their attentions would have turned to the 21 car very soon. We've talked about the development tokens that they've used and throwing it all uh, at the rear end of the car and making sure that obviously they they create a less draggy car and they've had the engine on the dyno for months. So if they have corrected even 60-70% of the wrongs of last year, they should in theory be up to fourth or third. So I'm going to go out there as a Ferrari fan, obviously, and I'll probably get absolutely hammered for this. I believe that they will finish third next year. They've got Charles, who is performing fantastically this year in an awful car and putting it in insane positions in the race and qualifying. And you've got uh, uh, Carlos coming in, who's a proven um, uh, you know, kind of point scorer and someone that uh, I think will settle in very quickly to Maranello life. So, uh, yes, I'm going for third with Ferrari this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I just don't know what to do with that because, you know, the McLaren uh, team are getting the Mercedes engine. I think Aston Martin are going to be, well, you sort of say stronger because they've got Vettel, but they've still got Stroll for mine. Um, I don't think Renault are going to, yeah, I, I, it's such a tight one. It is so close. My my initial gut feeling was Ferrari going back to third, Aston Martin fourth, and McLaren fifth, which, um, as a McLaren fan, I'm sort of hoping doesn't happen. Um, and then, but that would then put Renault in sixth, and I, I almost can't see that happening either because that is a big call as well to drop them down. I mean, okay, they ended up they were fifth this year. What 181 points? It was what you know, 14 points behind Aston Martin. There was a couple of races there that didn't go their way but then again every team can sort of make that claim as well i just really can't pick if i'm you know if i'm pushed i suppose i'm if if what we're hearing from ferrari is 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 correct then you're going to see them probably in third and then a very tight battle still for fourth between aston martin and and mclaren it depends on whether or not mclaren can get the most out of that engine and the tokens they have to spend on getting that in, uh, incorporated into the car, um, whether or not they've done enough testing with the new parts for you know uh, on the car last year, we saw that sort of new nose and everything be brought in. All their development work was done very early, and of course that probably no doubt affected uh, their results last year. But you know, is that has that have they done enough? Um, with what they've done last year in the in the testing of new parts for this year's car to get them into third, I just don't know. I think it's it's just too higgledy piggledy. It's not the right way to do it. Um, so I, I'm going to go Ferrari, Aston Martin, um, McLaren, Renault as my third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. That is exactly what I have written down. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and it, but the problem is with this, as you pointed out, it's just impossible because any one of those teams, if you look at, look at the championship this year, any one of those teams could have finished third. And and it's the same thing here. When I look at uh, Alpine, obviously, which, which is uh, going to be yes. the, the new Renault, Sorry, yeah. I can't believe that they will be sixth based on the progress that they were making. 
um, I can't see them. I don't see them taking a step back because actually for the Renault F1 program, that will be completely disastrous. They've yeah. made good progress this year uh, in 2020. And obviously bringing Fernando back, you know he's going to get points. The only weak point there is Ocon. So it's very much down to whether Ocon can bring his late season form into 2021, deal with Fernando and just regularly score points. If he can do that, then I just can't see them being sixth. However, then you take into consideration all the other factors. McLaren obviously uh, now arguably uh, uh, could argue that he's now a stronger driver pairing because is Danny Rick a step up on Carlos? Yes, Mm. probably in terms of outright ability and talent. I think he probably is. Um, So they've arguably got a better chance. But then again, you're saying, well, they finished third last year and all of a sudden you've got them down in fifth. It's just too hard to call. It's just too too hard to call. And it's, it feels wrong. um, You know, saying that Alpine will be sixth and uh, McLaren will be fifth, et cetera. And and Aston Martin in fourth. But I I just feel that that's, that's kind of the, after long debate, that's kind of where the, the the cards fall, you know? But the, the other thing is that with Aston Martin is, you know, their car is now three years old. Yeah. So, so we're, you know, are they able to make, you know, make the most of a three-year-old car now? I mean, okay, everybody else's cars are now two years old. Um, so I, you know, it it is, it's uh, so tough, and it's going to be a, a fantastic to watch. It'll be enthralling to see that battle for for third between those four teams. And as you say, I mean, it, it'd be a, a huge loss of a, of a season for Renault, uh, for Renault or Alpine, as you say. To, to go to six, but you know, likewise for Aston Martin to finish anywhere less than fourth or McLaren to finish anywhere less than third. I mean, I think in some ways, I think McLaren would sort of say, look, you know, if we finish fourth, it's probably where we are because they were sort of there in 2020. They knew they didn't have the third fastest car, but we've talked about this before as having that driver combination that consistently scored points, whereas at, you know, at racing point as they were, didn't because, well, you know, for mine, Stroll, um, and I think for yours as well, that, is probably where McLaren are at, and but because they sort of were in third for so long throughout 2020, to then get fourth last year would have been a, a huge disappointment. Um, but I think fourth, they'd almost be happy with looking into 2022 as, as not too much of a disaster. Whereas you know Alpine or Ferrari not finishing higher than where they are now will still be seen as a pretty poor season. Um, so uh, the, the the last four, I mean, and I'm sorry, I don't mean to sort of. Um, to not give these uh, the attention, but I can't see much of a difference between Alpha Tauri, Alpha Romeo, Haas, and Williams, and finishing where they are. Apart from the fact that Williams now got the uh, Mercedes gearbox, um, and they can now sort of focus a bit more on uh, you know resources and money and finances onto the performance of the car rather than just you know using that money for the for the gearbox. But whether or not that's going to translate so quickly um, is a different matter. Is it kicking in this year? Or is it next year? Thinking about it, um, oh, do you know you caught me off guard now yeah. because I've read it this week and now I've got the fear remember. of getting it wrong. Yeah. I, I'm sure it was this year. I'm sure it was this year. But uh, if look, so, I think a lot hinges on that, doesn't it? You know, for me, Alpha no, Harry, no, 2022, instead, 2022. Okay, so well, maybe it will be state as it was then. Maybe that 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 bottom four will just remain as it was because my view would be that um, with a. I, th- I think either way you look at it, Mercedes are probably going to take a slightly more active role in the Williams situation now, whether they're supplying them with tons more kit and gearboxes, uh, not until 2022. I still think there'd be a bit of involvement, but the, the fundamental factor of that car is, is obviously not competitive enough. So whether they can turn that around dramatically or not, I don't think they can. And in that case, you would have to say that it will be Alpha Tari 7th, Alpha Romeo 8th, yeah. uh, 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 Haas 9th, uh, and Williams 10th. The only 
flying the ointment there, of course, is that Haas yeah. have got kind of absolute maverick uh, uh, team of of of, uh, of rookies, and but but they're also going to have a stronger engine as well, and depending on how they, you know, if that's going to be, uh, uh, you know, as big an advantage as it is for Ferrari, how much will that kick Haas further up? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It could that could well be the difference between uh, uh, eighth and, and ninth for Haas. You just don't know. I think there's a real difficult one there because you've got the the rookie situation where neither driver is going to be at their absolute best this season. However, like you say, they've got the uh, the, the improved Ferrari engine. Um, maybe maybe they will spring a surprise. I don't know, but. The, the, the betting man would suggest that the bottom four will remain as it was. Yeah, I mean, there's too much of a gap between Alpha Tauri um, and, and eighth, which is Alpha Romeo, and 107 points to eight. So Alpha Tauri are sort of floating between that midfield group and 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 the bottom group, um, and they might get that occasional, um, you know, better race result from those above them. But I I, I don't think I just can't see them finishing um, higher than seventh. Uh, but anyway, look, yeah, I think we're in agreement. pretty much, um, as you say, apart from that Haas situation, that may change. But I, I, I still can't see Haas getting being worse than the Williams, particularly if they've got a, a better Ferrari engine in the back. But it's all to play out, I suppose. And, of course, you know, we're going to find out a little bit more about uh, what happens during testing, as much as you can take from testing. Of course, it doesn't mean anything in a lot of ways, but it does sometimes give you a little bit of a guideline. But, uh, mate... Um, we will uh, we'll do this again next week, um, or if not the week after, depending on what else has been happening between now and then. F1 story-wise, of course, it's the off-season, so not much does tend to happen, and you don't want to be rabbiting on about nothing. But, mate, thank you for your time, um, and I look forward to catching up with you uh, next time. Yeah, good fun as always, John. Cheers. So there we go. That is the Pitbox podcast for another episode. Um, have you enjoyed it? If you uh, did... Get in touch, let us know, subscribe, like us, uh, do all that sort of stuff on Spotify uh, or wherever you get your podcasts from, of course. Um, and don't be uh, afraid to tweet us either at Adori Media or at the Pitbox Podcast. If you'd like to come on and, and, and have a chat about your opinions on Formula One, more than happy to, uh, to hear that. Just, uh, as I say, get in touch with us on one of the social medias and uh, we'll get you on and, and have a chat. That's what this is all about, just being able to have an opinion about F1. Uh, look forward to your company again when we do it, what, I don't know, maybe in a week or so on the Pitbox podcast. <laughs>